3: information
2: african-american music and its untold history have shaped the foundation of american music the only museum in the world dedicated solely to preserving our music traditions and to celebrating the central role african-americans have played in the creation of american music based in nashville tennessee the national museum of african-american music shares the story of the american soundtrack By integrating history and interactive technology to honor the musical heroes of our culture's past and present, the National Museum of African American Music highlights the many contributions African Americans have made to American music and culture. Opening its doors right in the heart of downtown Nashville in 2021, the close to 60,000 square foot Experiential Museum covers everything from African tribal rhythms to hip-hop and is the premier global destination for music lovers of all generations. When Henry Hicks III, a newcomer to Nashville, agreed to join the board of the National African American Museum of Music, he had no idea it was going to end his investment banking career and lead to a legacy bigger than he ever had envisioned. An esteemed graduate of Morehouse College and achieving his MBA in finance from UNC Chapel Hill, Hicks has held notable roles as an investment banker at Bank of America and as a partner with private equity group Red Clay Capital Holdings. In 1998, Hicks was appointed by President Bill Clinton to be a White House Fellow, where he served as a senior advisor to the CEO of the Corporation for National and Community Service and launched the AmeriCorps Promise Fellows Program. With vast backgrounds in the private, public, and nonprofit sectors, Henry Hicks joined the National Museum of African American Music in 2009 as a board member, stepping up in 2013 to his now current role, where he serves as president and CEO.
4: Here with us to discuss the history and impact of African-American music's influence, and to share more with us about one of Nashville's newest and most notable attractions, we have president and CEO of the National Museum of African-American Music, Mr. Henry Hicks III. This is the Black Information Network Daily Podcast, and I'm your host, Ramses Ja. Mr. Hicks,
5: welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm great. Uh, Thanks for having me. I'm delighted to be with you all today. Of course, of course. Man. We got a lot to yeah. talk about. And, and it's an exciting
4: Absolutely. Time, So, So yeah, let's get to it. So on this show, um, we like to uh, ask a, a pretty broad question, admittedly, but it helps kind of acquaint our conversations with you and your brand and everything that you got going on. So do us a favor, share a bit about yourself, a bit about your upbringing, and what has led you to your current career path.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I, I appreciate the question. Uh I am a, a kid who grew up I'm, I'm a preacher's kid. I grew up uh moving all up all around the country. For, I grew up in uh Rochester, New York and then Houston, Texas and and Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania and and landed in Washington D.C. where my dad pastored a church uh there for a long time. Went to Morehouse for undergrad and then uh and then the University of North Carolina for graduate school and Went into business, uh, sales, and then investment banking and private equity. Um, And then in uh, 2009, bought a business in Nashville, Tennessee. I'd never been here before. uh, Coming from Atlanta and just said, you know, let me go on up the road and, and, uh, and get connected with folks up there. Bought a business, got involved there. And when I got to Nashville, within 30 days, I was asked to join the board of a project to build a museum. Mm. There's going to be a, a black music and culture museum in downtown Nashville. And I said, sure, I, I'd love to be a part of it. Um, mostly for selfish reasons. I said, you know, it's going to help the business that I had purchased, which was in the hospitality sector. Okay. Um, and so let's do it. And uh, that was way back in 2009, joined the board, became board chair and then became CEO in 2013. Didn't know anything about museums, uh, uh, didn't know much about music other than as a fan,
1: mm-hmm.
5: uh, but really thought that this idea of a National Museum of African American Music would make a big difference. Um, a lot of people don't realize that Nashville is 28% African American. It's got four HBCUs in town, um, and uh, and has a deep civil rights history that is mm-hmm. often, you know, not talked about. And so, you know, putting a museum like this and then music has always been significant to the culture, not only of the city, but of course, of the state of of Tennessee and black music has been a big part of that. Um, So, of course, people think about the blues in Memphis, but they don't often think about the significance of gospel music in Nashville, as well as um, R&B and jazz were big time in Nashville well before uh country uh country music took over music row there was music row on jefferson street which was uh, home to many african-american artists very similar to beale street or u street in in dc Mm -hmm. you had jefferson street here in nashville and then we always like to say that the first uh, singing group in america to ever go on world tour was the fist jubilee singers Uh, Not the first black group, but the first group ever to go on world tour out of America was the Fist Jubilee Singers, and they're based right here in Nashville. And so putting a museum like this in Nashville would do an awful lot for kind of culturally for the city of Nashville to help really define it truly as America's music city, an inclusive version of America's music city, as well as it would give uh, voice to many people in the music industry who are who we are fans of who are iconic to us. I mean, groups like Frank Frankie Beverly and Mays, the sure, Whispers, sure. you know, uh, you know, Mid Condition, list. or you know, it's a very, very long list. <laughs> and many of these groups may never win a Grammy. Uh and and too often, you know, uh at least until recent years, you know, sort of our artists and our community have kind of felt left out of some of those award shows. And, and certainly, you know, but there's no museum until, until we came along, there's no museum that really celebrated or centered the African-American contribution to American music. So, you know, with that preacher's kid background of service and of really, um, you know, trying to make black folks proud, trying to make a contribution to the race on being a credit to the race. Mm-hmm. Um, getting involved in something like this to build a museum is was kind of the best way I thought I could represent being a credit to the race to my two sons and 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 be a good uh steward of my of the name that my father gave me. And so, uh, it's been a real joy, uh, to be a part of leading uh getting this museum up and going. I
4: love that. I love that. Well, well said. Um, you know, coming from a, a, a fellow uh, preacher's kid, um, I, I understand exactly what you mean when you say that. And that, yeah. that's, it's just awesome to see it. Um, yeah. so I mentioned, I mentioned when we were talking that, uh, I had spent some time in Nashville for the first time ever, uh, back in 2020. And I remember everything was closed. It was a pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I just curious what was going on with the museum during the pandemic i i know that there were some things that were kind of brewing in the background yeah uh, talk yeah. to us about that
5: yeah i mean sort of through most of the pandemic we were under construction so mm-hmm. i mean it was really kind of a remarkable thing we literally uh started construction i think in january of 2020 and i'll never forget i mean we were closing on our bridge loan uh on that friday march 13th 2020 mm-hmm. we were trying to get that deal done And the bank called and said they had to back out of the deal. And and it took us another 60 days to kind of renegotiate that. So really through 2020 uh, was really kind of the 12 months that we were under construction uh, to to get the museum going. So, you know, we were in a hole in the ground and trying to keep workers separate from each other so they can get each other sick and Mm -hmm. trying to deal with the supply chain crisis and all that kind of thing. So that was the year that we were you know you know we were quiet we were underground uh, you know sort of quite literally as well as uh in terms of folks not seeing the construction happen because everybody was at home but that's when we were building the museum was right in the middle of the pandemic
4: sure sure did it did it pan out the way that you had hoped
5: well you know i think you know I, in some ways better than better than hoped i mean I, you know the Good everything in its time, right? I mean, and so I think it, it finished, we got it done when it was supposed to happen. We were, you know, two plus years delayed in in getting the museum complete and open. Uh, but man, was it poignant to be able to cut the ribbon on the museum on Martin Luther King Day 2021 and then to be able to celebrate a public grand opening on June 18th, I believe it was, 2021, which was, which was the first uh, federal holiday of Juneteenth. And uh, and so we really have those two anniversary dates that, you know, by virtue of uh, of the pandemic delaying us, we had some some pretty iconic timing in terms of getting the place open.
1: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com B-I-N today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot slash B-I-N.
6: Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. at lifelock.com news that's lifelock.com news to save up to 25 percent identity theft protection starts here hey everyone it's ted from consumer cellular the
0: guy in the orange sweater and this is your wake-up call
1: We are here
2: today with President and CEO of the National Museum of African-American Music, Mr. Henry Hicks III, learning about one of Nashville's latest and greatest attractions and discussing the history and impact of African-American music's influence and foundations in American music and culture.
4: Now, um, one of the things that I know to be true, you you mentioned that uh, there's a, a obviously there's a significant musical history uh, coming out of Tennessee but there's also a significant civil rights history there as well um I'm familiar Absolutely. with the uh the museum that is uh now a uh, shrine to uh, dr King um, because it was the place where he was assassinated sure um and that's in uh, Tennessee as well and you know I was able to kind of peel back some layers there recently um recently uh museums have Become rather important in my life, and I wonder, as far as the uh, the museum is concerned, um, what is the experience that people will take away from it? So, talk to us a bit about the the history and sort of like an in depth uh, experience that folks will have.
5: Yeah, you know, I mean, it's 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 really interesting. Um, you know, I, I really look at our work here. I think I consider that we are a social justice institution. We're a social justice platform, as is the National Civil Rights Museum that you referenced over in Memphis. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that we did when we uh, were planning the, the kind of the final steps of, of building the museum was we had a piece of piece of art commission, and it's called uh, the One Nation Under a Groove box set. Nice. And it, and it hangs right over the front entrance of the museum, just as you come in the the grand foyer the first thing you see is this this massive piece of art which is a one nation under a groove a replica of the one nation under a groove flag uh and we really have gravitated to that as a as a as a tagline for the museum because simultaneously that one phrase is about as authentically black as you can be <laughs> yeah but it is also a message of unity and togetherness sure uh where our objective in the the mission, the message that we hope people will come away from when they come to the museum is that regardless of where you come from, regardless of your background, regardless of the color of your skin, regardless of your age, that you find your story in the museum. Okay. And that what you realize as a result of that is that, you know, uh, you know, Black folks are blacker than we think we are, and white folks are blacker than they think they are, mm. and that you know it's not necessary for us to exclude or push anyone out. We can all, we are all really kind of in this thing together, like and that. and and we can really center and celebrate the contribution that African Americans have made. One of the things that I uh, highlight when uh, when I'm often talking is I say you know really. You know, when you think about kind of if you're not a a sort of heavy duty music fan and you just kind of think about the phrase American music, I mean, what Mm -hmm. may come to mind for you is uh, country or rock and roll or maybe jazz. Um, But that's kind of what you think about. And that's kind of, a you know, for many people, just kind of a white image. It's whatever you grew up with. It's whatever sort of the dominant culture says white it says american music is that's what american music is well mm-hmm. you know i I try to make the point that i think that american music started because of and was created by africans who were brought mm-hmm. to america Absolutely. native americans were here before all of us were they had their music they had their culture they had their thing uh, european americans immigrated to this country And they brought their music and their culture with them and Mm -hmm. and began to use that and celebrate that in this country. Africans, though, were brought to the country, and not only were they brought forcibly to the country, but they were forced to leave their culture behind. Mm -hmm. And in fact, they they were legislated that they could not use instruments, that Mm -hmm. many of their songs, many of the languages that they were using were not permitted Mm -hmm. uh, and were, in fact, criminalized. So what they had to do was innovate. And where anything new comes about in any endeavor is innovation. And so they had to innovate and they had to bring what they had in their memories and what they had in their souls from Africa and begin to bring that out. And then they had to adapt a little bit and sort of adopt some of this European stuff that they found and some of the, scotch-irish stuff they found up in the mountains and maybe some of the stuff they got from their native american uh friends that they ran across and they created something entirely new Right. right that's where american music began and so regardless of who that is that is now celebrating performing this music whatever your genre whatever you know sort of part of the country you live in today and you know, you know, whatever brand of jeans you favor and, you know, whatever, whatever your thing is, there's a really good chance that the music that you are so fond of is, in fact, black music. Um, And so what I think that people will experience is they'll find their story in the museum and they will find that it is, in fact, a river of rhythm that runs through this country. Mm -hmm. It's not really defined by genre Uh, although that's the way that the commercial side of the business sells it. The way it's created is just, this is my lived experience. Um, And so uh, you will walk through and you will experience both uh, the tactile artifact that gives evidence to this culture and this music from the 1600s all the way through the present day, whether it's uh, field hollers or Negro spirituals or gospel or blues or jazz or r and funk, techno, disco or hip hop, Dirty South, East, West, whatever it is, you'll find all of that. Um, and you'll find ways that you can technologically interact with that, whether that is a rap battle or creating a jazz rift or uh, singing with Bobby Jones and the super choir And then you can save a lot of that on an RFID bracelet that you get when you come to the museum um, in video form or uh, in playlists that you create. And we'll email all of that to you uh, within a day after you leaving the museum. So then you have that experience that you can then share on TikTok or wherever you want to share it. Um, And so you get something that you can take with you. You get to play with the music. You get to listen with the listen to the music while you're here. In addition to seeing uh, the, the the real thing, so it's it's a little bit of something for everybody. And there's nothing yeah. I like more than seeing you know a five year old with the headphones on bopping and mom standing right next to him listening to something entirely different, but they're both having a great time.
4: I love it. I love it. You know, there's uh, something to be said about museums where there's kind of an interactive element to it. So um, well done. Uh, As far as that's concerned. Um, And, you know, this place is
5: a playground. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah.
4: That's that's what I mean. So, so, yeah, (laughs) um, sounds like a great time. Um, And, you know, there's something else that you mentioned, too. And I learned this uh, when I was in um, in college. Uh, One of my professors, uh, her name was Dr. Westenberg. She um, showed us uh, at our class. She showed us a. It was a chart like a musical family tree. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And. This family tree had, you know, all of the categories, you know, uh, blues, hip hop, country, rock and roll, you know, on and on, on down the list. And then the lineage uh, of all of those things. And um, the one thing that was impressed upon me is that every major uh, genre of music uh, in this country traces its roots to a slave field. And so you're absolutely, what you're saying absolutely uh, jibes with what I know to be true. And then uh, my my teacher took it further and uh, said something that I'll never forget. You know, the, the first people to make music were black people because the first people were black music or the first people were black people. Sure. The first instrument was the drum. Yeah. And the pattern that we feel, uh, familiar with the four over four count of mm-hmm. music is based off of the heartbeat that's the rhythm mm-hmm. that we hear um in utero yeah. and so at the end of the day all music is black music even if you're talking about music your Euro- european music or you know music that doesn't have like a you know a, a prominent drum pattern or you know whatever the case is or maybe irregular rhythms or whatever the case is these are just reimaginings of what is in effect Uh, black music, and so um, I love that, and I and I love your explanation uh, as well. And you know, you said something else too. Oh, go ahead, please.
5: I was gonna say, I think there's a really good chance that that tree that you were that uh, was shared with you in class. Mm -hmm. uh, There's a really good chance that that tree was created by a woman by the name of Dr. Portia Maltzby, uh, who was at the University of Indiana and and really did a lot of. She is one of the the most foremost ethnomusicologists in the world, and that. That uh, musical family tree, to my knowledge, is is something that she created. Well, she was the senior scholar uh, who consulted with us on creating the storyline for the museum. So, mm-hmm. so very much the 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 metaphor I used of a river of rhythm, which is the name of the permanent ex- exhibition is derivative from Dr. Maltzby's tree Mm. uh, and her way of of articulating the way that music comes together. So uh, she was very intimately involved. So that tree was very intimately involved in how we put the the museum together.
2: This concludes part one of our two-part conversation with Mr. Henry Hicks III, president and CEO of the National Museum of African-American Music. Check back in with us tomorrow for part two with our host Ramses jaw right here on the black information network daily podcast.
1: This show is sponsored by better help. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through.
3: information.